the most important thing you can do is keep track of what you earn and what you spend and keep track of what you own and what you owe. So keeping track of your income and expenses and keeping an eye on your net worth are two things that you should be doing regularly and looking at them on a periodic basis. I'm Janet Ahmed, host of Hacks and Hobbies podcast and a digital presence advisor at HumbleZone. This episode is brought to you by Home Studio Mastery. I launched a consultation and course program to help podcasters and course creators to create a space in their homes that will reduce the friction of creating content and appearing their best when showing up on camera. The pandemic gave us a lot of issues, but this one is here to stay. We're now so much closer to our audience thanks to video becoming more popular and affordable. I help guide folks who want to create Hollywood-worthy studios to not only capture great content, but also build more confidence, more authority, and be more comfortable in front of the camera. If I can do it, you can too. And with my help, you can do it faster. So if you'd like to learn more, visit homestudiomastery.com and how you too can create a home studio that brings out your personality, professionalism, and possibilities. Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. We want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. Today, we get to speak with Sarah Kaplan. She's a certified financial planner and Forbes-listed top advisor. She has spent 20 years advising individuals, families, and companies on the best strategies for how to retire successfully. And now with her new podcast, How to Retire, she's bringing her simplified strategies to you. Let's dig into this episode and feel free to take life hacks that can surely change your perception. Sarah, thank you so much for coming out to the podcast. You're welcome. It's absolutely a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Janae. Absolutely. So we've been talking in the green room about my newborn, you know, uh, experience as parents. And as parents, something that we don't think about as single people is financial planning. Because when you have kids, guess what? What you need a lot of <laughs> need a lot of financial capital to raise those kids. I think there's some stats out there that in their lifetime from zero to 18, you're spending anywhere from 500,000 to a million dollars on your kids before they even go to college. That's correct. I think the projections that I've seen most recently were around somewhere between, yeah, 700,000. And then, you know, the cost of a four-year college education, uh, we're now telling clients to expect, depending on in-state, out-of-state, private, mm -hmm. public, you know, if you really want to save for any case scenario, you're looking at four to 500,000 per kid. Yeah. So where, where <laughs> do we get a million dollars to spend for each one of our kids, right? It's, it's kind of, kind of insane. It is. And a, a lot of it really boils down to planning and getting things into manageable bites mm -hmm. and, creating systems and habits more than 
you know, hopefully not overthinking the enormity of the path that you have in front of you, just like the start of any project, right? You start with the first step. Absolutely, 100%. So Sarah, share with us uh, a little bit of your backstory, how you got started into financial planning, and they'll get us started into where we're heading. Sure. So I was actually born into the business. Both my parents were financial services professionals. And uh, my mother actually founded our, she likes to say we're sisters, but my mother, Candy, founded our company back in the late 70s really because she wanted to know more about financial planning and financial Mm -hmm. tools. And uh, when she got started in her career, she originally thought she wanted to be a stockbroker. But in those days, the wirehouses, Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney, Leg Mason, weren't hiring women for -hmm. anything other than secretarial roles. And strangely enough, the insurance companies were, so as prehistoric as insurance companies are. (laughs) So she got started in the insurance industry, which frankly, was a great start for her because it taught her all about risk first. Mm. And then that for her certified financial planner designation. Fast forward uh, to 2003, I've graduated from business school and it was the uh, R.H. Smith School of Business at the University of Maryland brought to you by Accenture. And everybody's expectation (laughs) was that you would leave business school and go to work for a major consulting firm and work the three, four, five work week. And I looked at my mother and said, how come you've never talked to me about coming into the business? And she said, well, I've, you know what I do. I figure if you were interested, you'd ask, which was mm-hmm. as a parent, brilliant, because it was the exact right way to handle me. And yeah. I immediately decided um, that I wanted to join the family business and come into financial planning. So I studied for all my exams, sat for my certified financial planner designation, I also uh, have a registered health underwriter designation, which Mm. really speaks to medical insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, so I can speak to those things as well. I know enough to be dangerous. And I'm an accredited investment fiduciary and have my certificate in retirement planning from the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, I believe very strongly in education and financial literacy in education. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure that I'm speaking from a place of of knowledge and education when consulting with my clients. Man, that that is amazing. And I love the I love how your mom set it up, right? She said she knew exactly what how you were growing up exactly, right? So she knew your mentality, she knew your human nature to set you up in a way that you come to ask for the information as opposed to her pushing down information, you know, to you. Because as parents, we know <laughs> very well now that if you want anything your kids to do, you have to let them ask for it as opposed to tell them, hey, okay, you know, go learn this. Because as kids, I didn't want to do what my parents were telling me to do <laughs> or teach. Oh, 100%. And she knew, I mean, she knew exactly <laughs> how to handle me. And, you know, it all worked out, you know, well, I've been in the business now for 20 years and you know, I'm, I'm almost as far into the business as she was when I joined, mm-hmm. which kind of blows my mind. Yeah. But as we sit today, we're an independent financial planning, investment advisory, insurance brokerage and consulting firm and work with individuals, families and businesses. So a wide base of things we help consult on on a financial mm-hmm. basis. But I think our multi-generational relationship also lends itself to family intergenerational planning 
Because mm. we often have situations where we have clients who are trying to help elderly parents or they're trying to plan for their kids or they're doing both at the same time and understanding those dynamics and how that works psychologically between the generations, we also think is, is an advantage of ours. Man, I love that. So you got into the family business because you're like, this is pretty cool. I don't really need to go elsewhere, but you also went through the educational journey to learn more deeper into the rabbit hole. What inspired you to pick that path as opposed to a different one? I think ultimately, I think this kind of speaks to what a lot of people are going through right now in the job market. Oh yeah. I have a, I have a very dear friend of mine who is contemplating completely changing her career because after 20 years in business, she mm -hmm. says, you know, other than some money in my 401k and some money in my bank account, what do I have to show for it, right? Mm -hmm. What do I have to show for all these years that I've worked so hard for other people? And I think I looked at the path that my friends were taking in business school and said, you know what? I don't think I want to work for somebody else. I think mm -hmm. I want to build something on my own or continue with building on something that I've been a part of for as long as I can remember. Yeah. And I also remember and when I looked back on my life growing up and thinking about who was sitting around the dinner table, they were all clients of my, mm. of my, of my mom's and wow. just feeling those relationships, knowing how deep they were, how important her clients were to her and her life and how they'd formed some of her strongest relationships in her personal life mm -hmm. really you know, tipped the needle for me. It said, you know, this is a decision I'm making, not just for myself financially and not just for my family and the business, but it's really about the lifestyle I want and, mm -hmm. you know, making sure that I'm feeling really connected to the values of the business and, you know, how I want to spend, you know, the next 40 years of my life in my working career. And wow. the good news is it all turned out well. I love what I do. I'm really passionate mm -hmm. about it. And uh, my mother and I also agreed that we were going to put our relationship first because we were very close and we're still very close. And we always said that if our personal relationship was ever in danger, one of us would leave. Mm -hmm. And gratefully, 20 years in, that's never happened. <laughs> <laughs> and she still, she still comes into the office and you know, even though I've I've taken over the reins for the last eight years as managing partner, among you know among other partners in the firm, yeah. You know, I'm I'm very grateful that I was aware enough, even as a younger person, to see that there's a difference between, you know, reaching for that brass ring and saying, you know what, even though it's not as maybe as sexy to some people for me yeah. to go work in the family business. I know that in the long run, when I have a family, it's a lifestyle, lifestyle decision. No, I, I totally love it. And, and, you know, one of the reasons why I ask about the origin story is because it shows me what kind of parents we had and what kind of influence, because we are the first influencers for our kids. So if we set a good example for them, then they're going to follow that path. Like, that, this is working. This is really fun. My dad's having fun. My parents are having fun yeah we have the financial you know we have people coming over and they have their kids and i've got friends i want to go down that path building those relationships and i think that's that's really beautiful yeah thank you i'm i'm pretty proud of it it's a 
it was a unique story for my mom to get started the way she did in, in that time. And, you know, I look around at everything that she's accomplished and, and everything that women in my industry in particular have yeah. been able to accomplish. You know, we're still a minority in the financial services industry. We represent only about 20% of financial advisors nationally. And I think a lot of women are missing the boat. It's a great profession. It provides a lot of flexibility and gives you a lot of independence and empowerment about mm. making financial and business decisions. I love that. Your financial planning is something that's been a, something that I've been missing from my life, mainly because I grew up in a very different environment, right? My parents did all the work, oldest of seven siblings. Wow. It's a very different dynamic, you know? We did not have a family business. And one thing that I would tell my dad was like, our neighbors, they're businessmen. They're able to take all these vacations, do all of this stuff. And then what I didn't understand was that we were also taking vacations, even though my dad worked for a company, but we also did a lot of stuff. But I, it's always like, the grass is greener on the other side kind of mentality because of oh. all the fun that you see otherwise. But if my dad hadn't done all of the things that he did, and he was a good, I mean, he grew up on his own. Uh, you know, he, he uh, his dad had passed away when he was seven years old. Mm -hmm. So with his mom, and to come to this point where all seven of his siblings have their own homes, their own cars, their own jobs. And right, so just to see that contrast of where he started from as an orphan to where we are now, that just goes to show the success that he has been able to create. It's, that's remarkable. You know, I think that what a lot of people discount is that a lot of what we learn about our financial life, our financial habits, our work habits, our ethic, our discipline. I mean, most of it isn't taught in school, mm -hmm. if any. You know, it's all, we all, we learn everything by osmosis through what we experience yeah. as we grow up. And our parents are really the first people we observe when looking at business and, and dealing with money. Yeah. And for a lot of people, you know, maybe their parents aren't the best role models for financial planning or financial independence. And I think it's, it's always inspiring to me when I meet somebody who was born into a set of circumstances and made a decision and forged their own path and reached their goals yeah. and kind of figured it out as they went along or reached out and got that education or found that trusted advisor who could lead them through it. And I think it's, you know, it speaks to, you know, your parents, the ethics that they instilled in you and the work ethic and the determination that you and your siblings have all been successful because yeah. that doesn't always happen in those circumstances. So true. So true. 100%. And so let's continue on the journey of where you're heading as a, as somebody who's been a CFP, Certified Financial Planner, for the past 20 years, right, advising individuals, families, and listed one of the top advisors in Forbes. Where's the next journey? Where are you taking your life's journey next? Well, I've been 
working on this for a little while now, as long as I've been in the business, I've had a passion for financial literacy and bringing financial education and financial concepts to more than just people who have assets. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done seminars at the junior league and at universities and college campuses across the country to try to help foster an interest in people understanding more about uh, financial education and financial literacy. And we are in the process of building a subscription financial planning model, which will enable people to, at a kind of a lower entry point, be able mm-hmm. to pay a fee for financial planning without having to pay large fees to yeah. an investment firm or ha- have significant assets for somebody to manage in order to get that financial advice. And so we're we're in the process of, of, of finalizing that program and launching it at the end of this year, early next year. Mm-hmm. And a piece of that um, subscription model is going to be a podcast, which we're going to start rolling out here in September called How to Retire. And it's nice. going to help people learn the building blocks to financial success. You know, over the last 20 years, there are things that I've learned that, you know, are tried and true ways to make sure that you set yourself up successfully for your financial life and for retirement. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that people feel like no matter what their circumstances, that those goals are achievable. And that information shouldn't just be for you know, people who have a certain net worth or people who can afford to pay a certain fee. We want to make sure that that information is available to everyone. I love that. So the podcast is going to be launching in September. Yep. Uh, How to Retire. It probably already is uh, published by the time this episode goes out. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. And uh, we're excited about it. It's uh, being released on the Oaks Media Group Network. Um, I feel really privileged to be a part of that family and I'm just excited for the journey and to see where it goes. You know, it's, it's starting really, like I say, with the fundamental building blocks of Mm -hmm. how do you get started? You know, where to begin, what you need to be focused on, what, what, you know, what to kind of throw away that you hear in the news or the media, what are the things to pay attention to? And, and, you know, how do you develop those daily habits just a little bit every day, bit by bit? Uh, developing those habits towards financial success. I love that. We can't wait to hear the conversations and the the strategies, the simplified tra- strategies that, that you're going to be bringing on the podcast. Super excited for it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been so much fun. Let's take a quick break as uh, we come back with the three hacks to share for our audience. Hey, guys, we're back to the episode you've been listening to Sarah Kaplan over here on the Hacks and Hobbies podcast and it's been such fascination listening to her origin story and what she's been doing to create really amazing plans for families for the past 20 years it's been it's been a lot of fun and in the green room we were just talking about why the educational financial literacy financial literacy and and banking and whatnot is not taught as at an early age. She remembers herself remembering uh, about three types of clouds in our atmosphere, but not knowing anything about uh, the other stuff that really matters on a day-to-day basis. And I've got the answer for that, why that is. So 
in the 50s when the Soviets launched the rocket ship to space, America was like, okay, we need to create rocket scientists. So that is why we have arithmetic. We learn about uh, trigonometry, all of these mathematics subjects. And uh, an episode earlier on the podcast, we, we had a guest who talked all about mathematics and his love for it. That's the reason why the education spaces focus on math. Math is power because we're all trying to create rocket scientists. And that's why there's so many levels of mathematics taught in school, even now, because it's going to help you become a better rocket scientist. That's why you know more about clouds than anything else. That's very interesting. That probably explains why they were teaching us about clouds and not about financial planning. Now, now you tell me. <laughs> so, Sarah, take it away and share with our audience three hacks to take away so they can apply in their lives immediately pertaining to being better set up for the future. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Um, so first, I would say most important way to help get your financial house set up, whether you're starting from scratch and you're graduating college or newly married, or you feel like you just need a fresh start in your financial life. The most important thing you can do is keep track of what you earn and what you spend and keep track of what you own and what you owe. So keeping track of your income and expenses and keeping an eye on your net worth are two things that you should be doing regularly and looking at them on a periodic basis. And by periodic basis, I mean, you don't want to be looking at these things every day. I, mm -hmm. you know, I often say that, you know, looking at your 401k balance every day is like weighing yourself every five minutes when you're on a diet, you're going to right. make yourself crazy. You want to pick. <laughs> Uh -huh. You want to pick regular points in time where you set a date with yourself to make sure or your family that you all sit down and make sure that you're reviewing these things, whether it's mm -hmm. quarterly, semi-annually or annually. And any one of those is fine. Mm -hmm. So keeping track of your income and expenses and keeping track of your net worth. The second hack, I would say, is setting up a system that you can maintain. So. You know, some people say using min.com is the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. Some people say, you know, YNAB, you need a budget is the best way or pen and paper or balancing your checkbook, right? Mm -hmm. There's no best way to go about doing any of this. It's all about the system that will enable you to continue tracking it and to be able to maintain, you know, tracking your financial life and being able to review it periodically. So. Number one, keeping track. Number two, something you can maintain. And number three, and this may be the most important thing, don't mm -hmm. panic, ever. Whew. I'm panicked all, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Look, setbacks happen with spending, in the market. Mm -hmm. You know, we all make the best decisions we can in the moment. And, Absolutely. you know, it's about building habits over time. You know, if you... If you went to Costco and you fell prey to that impulse buy, you know, don't, you know, beat yourself up about it. If it's a little bit, you know, outside your budget for, you know, that day, that week, that month, you know, focus on the next thing that you can do to make sure that, you know, you, you're creating those habits that help you reach your goals. So don't dwell, don't panic and keep your eye focused on the long term, right? If your goal yeah. is to, 
you know, make sure that you get to X amount of savings or retirement at X time and you know what you're going to need to do in order to get there. I mean, the financial planning rule of thumb is that everybody should be saving 10 to 15% of their pre-retirement income toward retirement. Hmm. And if you can't, if you can't do 10% now and you can do 8%, do that. And then next year, when you get a raise, put 1% more into your 401k until you get to that target. And so don't panic if you can't do everything right now. Yeah. Just build those habits, start step by step, and and you'll get there. Man, I love that. Thank you so much for those hacks. And you're you're absolutely right. You you gotta watch what's coming in, what's going out, and what your current assets are, right? Right. And your your net worth. And they say your network is your net worth, and that's a totally different version of net worth and that's worth this is the net worth that you can look at and touch and and feel and liquidity so thank you for that and then don't panic that's right because guess what the moment in time and and we see that happening in the market and and who knows where the market's going to be when this episode launches but the market is going to go up and down because that is how life works that is our our that is our heartbeat that is the day's you can't have the sun up all the time because then you're going to be so bored. Like this Tr- is too. Trust me, too it would make it would make my job a lot easier if, if everything went up in a straight line. <laughs> yeah. But most of our clients wouldn't need us if that was the case. Mm-hmm. You know, my mm-hmm. I other than helping people figure out the steps that they need to take in order to meet their financial goals, I'd say the the other biggest piece of what I do is helping prevent people from making the big mistakes. Mm. And I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is reacting emotionally to the market, yeah. either to the good or the bad. And so it's important to make sure that you've got your time horizon in mind, you have an asset allocation that you can stick with, and you keep that perspective when when things start to, to feel like they're going sideways. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. by the time everyone's listening to this podcast, things are a little bit better. We uh, We got some news on inflation today that wasn't ideal. And so mm-hmm. I think people are feeling, uh, you know, I think it, you know, consume, there's actually an index that tracks consumers, consumer sentiment out of the University oh, of wow. Michigan. And it's been around since the early 70s, I think 1971. And in wow. the 50 years that the index has been around, the June reading from the index has never been lower in its history. Wow. So consumers have never been more negative about where the economy is. And a very famous investor, Warren Buffett, who has made a lot of money in his life and has helped a lot of other people make a lot of money, mm-hmm. has a f- famous saying that you be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. And so with everyone feeling really fearful these days, I think it's an incredible opportunity to reevaluate your financial situation. And if you haven't started a program of, of investing to get started. I love that. Thank you so much, Sarah. Um, let's. We'll, we'll be sure to c- include all links so you can get access to Sarah and figure out your financial planning uh, program and um, how you can do that. Because again, How to Retire podcast that's coming. I think you mentioned the name before. Yes, thank you. And the How to Retire podcast, you can listen in and learn all about how you can get started. But let's jump real, real quickly on the six questions you guys have all been waiting for. All right, Number one, <laughs> Sarah, first question. What is the one hobby that you wish you got into? 
the one hobby that I wish I got into, I wish I remember what I sent to you in my email, but <laughs> I will. The one thing I'll say is that there was one hobby that I always wanted to get into and it actually became my COVID project. Mm. So for the last two and a half years, I have been learning how to run. Ooh, nice. I was, I was never a runner. I always hated running. And I'm the type of person that once I make up my mind that I'm going to do something, I set a goal and I figure it out and I do it. So I actually was able to get a Peloton treadmill and through nice. their coaching program, I, I found it to be fantastic. This is mm -hmm. not a paid ad, but bit by bit, little by little, all of a sudden I'm a runner. Mm -hmm. So it's, it was a hobby that I always wanted to, to take up and, and finally got to. That's amazing because um, the one hobby that you wish you had when you submitted yeah. <laughs> was lap swimming. And of course, with COVID, it's not easy to go to get access to those swim pools. Oh, yeah. Well, so so lap swimming. So the, I think the reason I said that, and it's funny you bring that up. So it kind of ties nicely with the running, right? Because if, mm -hmm. if I ever wanted to be a triathlete, although I can never get my head around the cycling piece of that. Oh, I can um, help you with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, so, I'm a cyclist. You know, one of the things that I love most about what I do professionally is that I get to meet all kinds of people who do mm. all kinds of things. And the one thing I've noticed among my client base is that the people who tend to stay more physically able the longest into their retirement are the swimmers. Mm. There's something about the low impact nature of swimming and helping people stay flexible that swimmers just seem to stay more flexible and more physically able longer mm -hmm. into their lives. And so I think that's probably where my head was at when I said that because, and I would agree that I would love to be a lap swimmer and I absolutely am not. But I think <laughs> in my experience, uh, swimmers tend to age the best. That's just mm -hmm. my opinion. Well, well, there, there's a lot of truth to that because if you think about it, you're in water, which is providing also kind of massage to your muscles as you're working your muscles through. That's why a lot of uh, rehab programs uh, have you do rehab work inside water. So, you know, and plus 70% yeah. of our bodies are water. So, <laughs> so it totally yeah, makes sense. And it's a lot easier on the joints than running is, I'll tell you mm -hmm. that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, give me the give me the thickest sole shoes you want, <laughs> you got because I want I want cushion you know stepping on when I'm running out there. Absolutely. Our right, next question: What did you want to be when you were a child? Oh, I wanted to be a veterinarian. A veterinarian. A veterinarian, either a veterinarian like or a zoologist. I always loved animals growing up. I still mm -hmm. love animals, and if you know, if I wasn't worried about my husband divorcing me, I'd, I'd definitely have more. I also don't want to become a, you know, a crazy cat or dog or pet lady, Sure. but I, I always wanted to be around animals. And mm -hmm. I think the reason I decided I didn't want to be a veterinarian was because it was going to be too hard for me to see animals in pain. Yeah. Well, the, the other route is to go by a zoo, uh, like yeah. Matt Damon did in We Bought a Zoo. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe in my, one. maybe with my next husband, I don't think this one will, uh, <laughs> Let's be okay with that. <laughs> All right. Well, that takes us right into what is your favorite movie or TV show? Uh, that one is easy. I, my absolute all-time favorite TV show was a show called Psych. Oh, my God. 
it aired on USA for seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. And it, it just absolutely encapsulates everything I love about television. It was funny and charming and didn't take itself seriously and really played into its following and the fans and the audience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. That's the, the, yeah, the hand gesture. (laughs) The hand Um, gesture on his brain. Yeah, exactly. Um, Just, you know, I am, I'm always one to say, if you're not having fun, what's the point? And I think that most people take life way too seriously Mm -hmm. in general. And I appreciate anything that can make fun of itself. And I feel like Psycho always did that really well. Oh, they did. They absolutely did. Um, My wife and I would watch that show religiously every time it came on. And then we were so excited when the movie came out. Like, oh, my God, they finally did it. I know. And then there was another movie. And I think they've got a few more planned. So. Oh, my God, I can't wait. Can't yeah, I'm wait. excited about that. I'm I'm so excited that you know Psych because not everybody knows that show. It's been off not, the air now for a while. It's been, but, it's been a while since it's been off the air. That's right. But such a great show. And it holds up really well, just in case you want to get started. <laughs> just Yeah, you can go back and watch it on, I think it's available on a few networks. It's yeah, I think really it's good. on definitely Peacock because it was a, I think USA is owned by NBC. So I think you can okay. get it on Peacock. All right, go check out on Peacock. Follow our link <laughs> to Psych, the TV show. Um, what movie would you choose if you got to play a character in it? What movie would I choose if I got to play a character in it? I don't remember what I said here. You'll, you'll forgive me. I didn't. I couldn't find. I didn't the list have. Of a, I didn't I have a question. This is this is a this is a live question. It was not okay. on the form. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I know my answer, so I wanted to make sure that I wasn't. So I would say if I could, if honestly, one of my all-time favorite movies is The Birdcage mm, the with Birdcage. Nathan Lane and Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I love that movie, probably because I love both Nathan Lane and Robin Williams. And if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth a watch. And I would, I would be, I would have loved to be in that movie and be a character in that movie, maybe be one of their kids. It's just, they only have one son in the movie, but mm-hmm. it, it's just, it's so funny and so great and you know actually just even thinking about the late robin williams he was one of my all-time favorites oh my god um, same here same and there were here. a lot of so many other people in that movie who were fantastic um but that's what i would pick looks like birdcage is available if you have a amazon prime membership <laughs> go check there you it go. out <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right next question who is your favorite superhero all right, my favorite superhero. And I feel like I did answer this one. But if I had to guess what I wrote when we scheduled this, I'm going to say my favorite superhero. I'm trying to remember what I what I said. No, there was this was also a live question. Oh, sorry. okay, good. Okay, sorry about that. All right, so favorite superhero so I will say this. I will say I I love Deadpool because Deadpool is fantastic. Come on. I know. Mm-hmm. But I also really enjoy some of the characters that they've explored more recently in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. So, um, and some of the stronger female characters like Valkyrie yeah. and Captain Marvel. So I would say 
between the two, probably I'm really interested to see the next Captain Marvel movie. I thought they did a really good job with her. And oh, I, absolutely amazing job, yeah. Like strong uh, female role models, especially in superheroes. And what's cool is that Miss Marvel, that's, that's I think today is the last episode oh, yeah? they dropped on Disney+, Plus, has been amazing, and Miss Marvel is supposed to show up with Captain Marvel in the next movie. Oh, fun, yeah. I'm I'm a little behind on my MCU TV watching. So sure. I haven't seen Moon Knight. Don't give me any spoilers. I did just get to watch, you know, with, with kids, you'll appreciate. I don't get to stay completely current, but I did sure. finally watch uh, Doctor, the new Doctor Strange. Okay, so, yeah. And I, I know I needed to watch that before I saw Moon Knight and Ms. Marvel. So um, I'm excited to get started on the shows. Yeah, Ms. Marvel is really cool, mainly because... And this is kind of like a self. It highlights my culture as someone from Pakistan. Okay. And Miss Marvel, or the character that plays Miss Marvel, Kamal Khan, is also from Pakistan. So there's a lot of history. There's a lot of talking about what happened. Uh, you know, so it was, I was, it was a really, like, I was crying. My, my wife's like, I have friends who play the character in the movie, in the show, that, like, Two connections away. In fact, one of my friends did a voice, did like the Adhan in one of the episodes. So it was really cool that, you know, we get some kind of representation in the MCU and superhero world. That's fantastic. I'm glad to hear you say that uh, they did it well because I'll be really excited to watch it. Yeah, it was awesome. All right, last question. And this is okay. a, a quirky one. Okay. If you are a board game, what would it be? I was a board game. What would I be? Well, I'm going to have to go back to a classic. <laughs> and I'm going to say Clue. Mm. I'm going to say Clue. I know that, you know, the, the probably the expected answer for somebody in the financial services industry is Monopoly. But, you yeah. know, it's what I do for a living. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't need that in my board game life. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I was always a huge fan of Clue growing up. I loved the strategy of it. And once again, the movie, mm -hmm. another great movie, another classic movie. If you've never seen Clue, it's, yeah. it's a fun time, a great cast and, you know, funny as well. So I'm going to say Clue. Yeah. I love that. Clue, Clue was definitely a good one uh, with Eileen. No, this is a, this is the yeah. one from 85. Yeah, so it was like Tim Curry and Michael McKeon and Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn, Brennan. I mean mm -hmm. Madeline Kahn, yeah, who was absolutely incredible. But yeah, that was a that was a great movie. I love a good it. one, a golden oldie nowadays. Oh, Christopher <laughs> Lloyd's in there too. Yes. How can we forget Christopher? Christopher Lloyd? Lloyd. Yes. No, absolutely. <laughs> great Scott. A f and a friend of Psych too. <laughs> and a friend of Psych, exactly. They did. They actually did a Clue episode in mm. Psych. <laughs> I think. I think. I, I. I might remember if I go see it again because I've seen every single episode of Psych. Yeah. All right, Sarah. Well, this was so much fun talking with you. Thank you so much for sharing your experience, your wisdom with the, with my, superpreneurs, and um, I wish you the very best with your podcast. Can't wait to listen to it, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Thank you to your audience and enjoy the show and appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode on hacks and hobbies. We absolutely appreciate your contribution. You can find additional notes on hacksandhobbies.com. Please share the podcast with your friends and tell them what you learned about our guest today. 